0: I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: When I put this album on, and this is how it opened, I knew this album was going to rip. I love everything about this song It's Strictly Business by EPMD Off their 1987 album of the same name It's also number 453 Out of 500 On the Spotify original The 500 with Josh Adam Myers What's up Plookies? Fleece Army At ease Hope you guys are having a good week Hope you guys did your homework Because we are going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list Of the 500 greatest albums Uh, Big week For me everybody I just got back from Just for Laughs 42 in Toronto We did a live taping With the man, with the plan Probably one of the funniest dudes I know, Dan Soder From Billions, from the Bonfire Such a good friend, so hilarious And we broke down Probably the most pretentious album we're going to do on this list, which is Synchronicity by the Police. It, it went incredible. Super funny. You guys are going to love this episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. But I want to give a huge, huge thank you to Donna, Nick, Matthew, Thomas, and Sophia, and also Sophia's lovely mother, who we met on the street for all coming out and for bringing us to jfl toronto i love you guys i mean this from the bottom of my heart the festival was a complete success every show that i did was great i opened up for soda two nights i had a full on like fleece dude it was the most fleecy festival i've ever been to I do want to give some shout outs though Not just the staff I want to give a shout out to the Fleece Army And the Feasters that came to visit I want to give a shout out to Neil Rogers with his 25 albums That are not on the list that he has an opinion about I fucking love you He drove like, or trained like 5 hours To get there To Mark Hodgkinson Hope I said your name right because I love you He came out, with his foot's like about to fall off and he, And he fucking skipped work So he could come to my boy Dave Bastian, to Jonathan Schiaviti and his lovely girlfriend of nine years, Mary, that incredibly cute Ecuadorian girl. She is awesome. Also, the man, the myth, the dude that runs at 160 miles per hour and will show you every picture in his phone, my boy Evan Budd. Thank you for all that you guys do, for coming out to support the 500, for being in the Fleece Army. It means the world to me. To all the people that are doing the Instagram stories, keep doing them, guys. Take a screenshot of how you're listening to the 500 and tag me at Josh Adam Myers. Throw a little hashtag 500 podcast. And then, why not? Hashtag the Fleece Army. You're part of it. I'm giving everybody, like, rankings in it, so, you know... Dude, if you haven't gotten a ranking in the Fleece Army, message me, do some sort of promotion, and I will give you a ranking. All right, we got a Funkadelic, Kashpelic, Manelic album this week. Did I sound like a radio DJ? We got a Funkadelic, Kashpelic, Contelic album this week. So Joshy, why don't you read what Morty wrote and tell everybody about it? Released on June seventh, 1988, Strictly Business is the self-produced debut album by the Brentwood Long Island New York hip-hop duo EPMD. Now, I bet you're all wondering what EPMD stands for. The E and the P in their name stands for Eric E. Double Sermon and Parrish PMD Smith, and the MD stands for Making Them Dollars. A year prior, in 1987, EPMD was signed to Sleeping Bag Records, a boutique dance label that also had Mantronics. Dude, wait till we talk about Mantronics in this episode. Nice and Smooth, Craig Mack, and KRS-One. The group only put out one 12-inch single. It was called It's My Thing with You Are a Customer on the flip side. But as they were managed by Russell Simmons Rush Management, It allowed them to tour with Run DMC, Big Daddy Kane, and DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. When they came back, they were ready to get down to the business of making an album. And they ran a tight operation. According to Eric Sermon, that included recording every song on one microphone in a single take with no overdubs. Besides producing Strictly Business themselves, it also features no other guests or musicians other than their DJ K LaBosse on Scratches. On this album, EPMD were strictly sample based rapping over looped layers of uncleared beats and hooks from old rock and funk records. And While their contemporaries were using verbal gymnastic wordplay and presenting themselves as tough guys, EPMD were delivering straightforward, easy-going party rockers, with relatable lyrics full of memorably quotable lines. But don't mistake them for being soft. There's a bunch of tracks on this record where they diss rappers they deemed unworthy or, as they would say, whack. Although Strictly Business only went to number 80 on the Billboard charts, it went gold about four months after its release. And my guest today knows more about this record than what I just told you. You know him from Better Call Saul, You know him from his one hour special, You Let Me Down, or maybe you know him from his two podcasts, We'll See You in Hell, and Uninformed with Bill Burr, the one and only Joe DeRosa. I love this man to death. He's one of my best friends, and it was an honor. I wish every guest came with so much knowledge that Joe did, because we could have just fucked the format and just talked and talked and talked. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the 500 and listen free on Spotify, Fleece Army, Spot Tofi, actually, it's Spotify, or anywhere you get your pods. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500 at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. Well, nothing left to say, but here we go. With number 453 out of 500 with Strictly Business by EPMD. Joe DeRosa, He's got him Joe DeRosa. He's Joe Rosa He's Joe DeRosa, <laughs> and he's gonna shoot someone after his day. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, been a rough day. It has been a rough day. But now we get to talk about one of your obsessions. So you have an EPMD boner. When I went through this list and you said to me what record, I was like, and I was, and I saw EPMD, you immediately jumped on it. Like, yeah. When did you
2: first fall in love with EPMD uh the second record Unfinished Business which oh. is not the one we're talking about today we're talking about Strictly Business yes we are uh but Unfinished Business the first single off that record that I heard I think it was the first single in general was So What You Saying and uh I heard it on TV where I saw the video on TV Raps and it was just like one of those like rap songs as the first time I heard it I was like this is Holy shit! One of the greatest songs I'd ever heard, and uh, you know, I was a kid. But how old are you? I'm at this forty? 40- well, at the time, <laughs> Not forty-three. Bad. Not no. bad. Yeah, no, I'm 40- you were quick to go to like forty-three. All right. <laughs> no, I'm forty-two now. Uh, I was probably um, oh, it's twelve, eleven, somewhere in there.
1: Is this? Is that when your fascination with hip hop? Because it's just knowing you and having known you for. Almost ten years now. Like it still blows my mind how deep your love of hip hop goes.
2: It started before that. I was already a big fan. Uh, my 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 fascination with and fandom with hip hop started in fourth grade with Run DMC when I got "Raising Hell." That was, that was my first record. Yeah,
1: that was my first record. I was yeah. in th- fuck. I want to say like kindergarten or first grade. I'd say about first grade.
2: Yeah. I think I was in fourth grade when I got it. I, I I don't know how close to then it actually came out, but it wasn't that far off. I think it came out in eighty four, and I was in fourth grade in eighty, probably eighty six ish, somewhere in there. So I probably you know, it had been out, but it was just starting to break into the mainstream with um, with uh, uh uh Walk This Way. You know that was. Sort of captivating the mainstream MTV audience, and, and then was, you
1: saw it as a little kid, and we're immediately like, I, "This is this is the music I fuck with." Like I'm drawn,
2: which just, just I, I liked it before. Walk this way, so you just look like a
1: Toto fan. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? You got that yacht rock look. Maybe you listen to some Elvis Costello because of the glasses, right?
2: Right. You know, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you, yeah.
1: You're like I could imagine like you. You got yeah. a Toto look, but like oh, the dude, dog. I mean. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, but uh, yeah, I, look, I from a very young age, I, I felt uh, out of step with my surroundings and the people that were around me. And uh, rap music at a very young age spoke to me because I, 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 vis- I viscerally locked on to the uh, rebelliousness of it. Um, and i didn't know that that's what it was at the time i just knew i really liked it and it really resonated with me i mean i just loved dudes throwing their dicks around i loved it you know it was like no but that's s-
1: all that epmd really is on this record is just them throwing
2: dick yeah it's a lot of it's <laughs> a, a lot, lot of, dick of bravado i love it you know i mean i mean that's hip hop to me hard punch lines smart rhymes uh great beats catchy hooks DJ cutting like that's to me it doesn't get better than that and the my favorite groups do that the beat nuts do that you know uh, run DMC did that uh, EPMD is my all-time favorite they certainly do it um, it's just what I like so um, but the lyrics in unfinished and so what you're saying from unfinished business really got me going because it was like you know I'm known to be the master in the MC field no respect in 87 88 you kneeled like I just love that kind of swagger you know, uh, dropped the album strictly business, and you thought we was bold. Thirty days later, the LP went gold. So what you saying? Like it's just like it's these are such great like fuck you lines. Yeah, dude. Um, you know, so I just <clears throat> got chill saying it. Um, so I said to my cousin John, "Why is it called unfinished business?" And he said, "Well, because their first record's called Strictly Business, and this this has." I, we he was we were dumb kids. He didn't phrase it correctly, <laughs> but basically what he told me was this has elements of the first record on it. You know they sample themselves and you know and they re quote things and whatever. And that was the first that I'd ever heard of a musician doing that. You know uh, in my life. Um, so the whole conceptual thing about it was cool. So then I went back and I got Strictly Business, and I loved it. You know, I loved it. And I could hear even at that time, I could hear the way the group had matured from one record to the next. Yeah. I I remember as a kid hearing that they sampled I Shot the Sheriff and then saying and then the specification being made that they didn't sample the Bob Marley version. They sampled the Eric Clapton version. And as a young, for all intents and purposes, white kid, even though technically I'm not. But for all intents and purposes, so you white. yeah, yeah, <laughs> you pass. Yeah. So so my non-racist you're getting cast in Argo, yeah. bro. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe one of the guys that no, tried I, to I'm...
1: escape from the embassy, but you're not. I'm aware. <laughs> my my non-racist
2: airport. liberal friends like to tell me how I pass for white <laughs> and then in the next breath, tell me they're not racist. Anyway, um, Love you. Uh, that's L.A. <laughs> uh, anyway, the um, I remember as a young kid, who, again, white for all intents and purposes, feeling hopeful as a fan of the music hearing that that maybe i could be accepted by people that made this music because it was so from a different place and i very much grew up looking at it like that's not for me you know that's not that i mean it's for me to enjoy but it's not for me to ever be a part of in any way and when i heard that i was like oh these guys That I look up to and admire doing this music, they appreciate all music. It's not just... I mean, it was crazy when Run DMC hooked up with Aerosmith, but Aerosmith was still Aerosmith. Yeah, they were pretty big. It was pretty strange and interesting to me. Even as a young kid, I knew like Eric Clapton was a much deeper cut for a rapper to sample. You know what I mean? This was not... This was not a big classic rock hit. People know I Shot the Sheriff, but, I mean, it, it, it does not get the play that Walk This Way does. No, not at all. So, um, Well, I think, if, you know, not to cut yeah. you off, but I think it's because there wasn't a lot
1: of rap to be influenced by prior to this. There was funk and there were the elements of, like, jazz and the shit that they probably grew up with. But at the same time, the popular music was the popular music. For everybody, whatever was played on the radio was played on the radio. It's not like we have Spotify like we have now. Big shout out to Spotify,
2: but well, and you get it right. And EPMD, and then then this starts now. The my love affair with EPMD's taste for samples, and 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 Eric and Parrish's production of beats. DJ Scratch too. I'm not leaving him out. But most of the EPMD records were Eric and Parrish, and um, they had just an amazing fucking ear. And that's exactly why. Guys like Snoop Dogg. I mean, EPMD is respected oh, across the game. Dude, it, you know, it, it's but.
1: one of my favorite tracks that I used to play at bar mitzvahs and weddings. <laughs> was was just uh, was music. You know when he yeah. sampled Marvin Gaye's "Just Like Music." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it Fucking got loved it and every Grammy dug it. It won, but not only just won a Grammy. I'm playing it at the most Jewish of Jewish bar yeah. mitzvahs and the most whitest of white weddings. Because uh, you know there is no way that I'm DJing uh, a black or Latino <laughs> wedding because they'd look at me and go, "Get this guy fucking out of here." Yeah,
2: he's gonna he's gonna play more bounce to the ounce. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're just they're just the best to have ever done it, man. And they appreciate their fans. I've written to both of them and they've they've always responded. <laughs> what did like you say Twitter. to them? What did you say? They were talking about it was the anniversary of Business Never Personal, which was the last record that was the fourth record and it was the last one before they broke up and got back together again and they were just tweeting something that it was the anniversary of that record. And I wrote back to EPMD and I said, a classic, my favorite rap lyric of all time is from this record. And it's uh, and it's Parrish Smith goes, no static with Uncle Sam, I got mad loot. And when that line dropped, that was still like when um, very politically charged hip hop was still p- being played in the mainstream, you know? you still hear public enemy on the radio and not yeah. that there was any beef with them in public enemy or th- or them in conscious rap because they did some conscious tracks. But I just loved the swagger of a dude coming out in the middle of like that sort of era of, you know, fuck America. What have you ever done for me? just going no static with uncle sam i got mad loot (laughs) i was like
0: (laughs) hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, The Man, the Fat Mike from No Effects and Ian McKay from Fugazi and Minor Threat we go all over the map from Fallout Boy to Slayer peer pleasure has it all check us out now on Sound Talent Media
2: cuz that's, yeah. that's when hip hop that's when hip hop's at its best when it's when it's just I'm going to say the thing you never would expect me to say right now one of my favorite lines ever is from the Serial Killers second record which is Be Real Defar, I think it's Defari, I think, and, um, and, and uh, Exhibit. And uh, Exhibit goes, I'm here to have a ball like Kavanaugh. I like beer. And I was like, he dropped that like a week after the fucking trial. And I was just like, that to me is hip-hop. Yeah, I'm going to come out and say one of the most audacious fucking things I can think of right now. That's why Eminem was awesome. Yeah. Because it was just crazy. He was just
1: saying everything that everybody was thinking. I mean, it's You know,
2: NWA, Cube, like everybody, man. It was just, you know, Ice-T. Snow, Informer. Like, (laughs) he was great.
1: Fucking. (laughs) Let's, Let's dive into the record. Let's get into some tracks, okay? Sure. The album starts with the title track, "Strictly Business," and I and I just wrote, "What a great way to start the record." So we, we I sang you in this way over several samples, but probably the most recognizable one is Eric Clapton's version of Bob Marley's "I Shot the Sheriff." Uh, what what blew my mind uh, was was just the beat. Play uh, minute three oh five the PMD. The Corvette? I a Suzuki, I'm a with the key to fame. Never hide myself. What a fucking simpler time when you could boast about owning a Suzuki samurai. Yeah. And that shit was respected, dude.
2: And what's so funny is
1: You're coming up short, I got my Ford Escort.
2: PMD. <laughs> he goes, PMD's got a Corvette. I, I drive a Samurai Suzuki. That's a, that's a, there's a disparity there between those no, two I cars. No, I understand.
1: But, dude, but even, a, is even funny. a Corvette isn't even that, like, that's not even that baller. I mean, it's a nice car, but as what Seinfeld said, Corvettes can go fuck themselves or some shit.
2: I, I just, mean, it's definitely, well, I mean, it may, it, it, I've often questioned that lyric. I'm like, were Samurai Suzuki's fancier than I remember them being? No. No. Right, I mean, Corvette was definitely a better car. Four songs from now, he's like,
1: "I got these girls hanging from my mammary. Step in, girl. I got a brand new Camry." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh God! <laughs> um, what? So this uh, is this is all. This is just, in my opinion, uh, for for uh, for a fan that's really never heard of EPMD. So some of my yeah. some of the fleece army that's probably listening. This is a great way to be introduced to EPMD because it's everything. It's got the great beat. It's got the boasting lyrics. We kind of talked about it at the beginning, mm-hmm. but. How do you really feel about the direction that hip hop has gone from this to Lil Uzi Vert? Like, how do you feel about that?
2: I haven't listened to Little Uzi What's his name?
1: Little Uzi Vert. It's, all right, well... uh, Like, I don't really... Future, or it could be Migos. It could be any of the pop. I liked liked some of
2: the Odd Future stuff. Odd Future, but I
1: I still feel is hip-hop. They're still within that realm in the lyrical ability, Uh, but they're not not mass. They're big, but they're still underground. They're like our Wu-Tang. I mean, what's-his-face is pretty big. But they're like our Wu-Tang. They're not, like... They're not Drake.
2: No. And I like Drake. I think Drake... I, I think Drake's a good rapper. His... Style of music isn't isn't my thing, but I think Drake's a good rapper. Uh, I like look, I like Schoolboy Q. I like, I uh, like Schoolboy Q. Yeah, uh, yeah, like like there are guys that are doing it. I mean, but I still only listen. Like I couldn't tell you. Everybody right now is talking about fucking Takashi. Oh, but he's just because he's in jail. Like if your name, everybody. if your name is letters that shouldn't be next to each other, and you have like emojis in your fucking spelling and shit, yeah. I, I don't, I can't fuck with it so like takashi 69 uh like i just can't I, I don't it's it's not for me it's not for me and it's got too much it's it's one thing to i mean takashi's a fucking punk i mean everybody's we all know that now yeah. cuz he's rolling over on everybody but i mean back before any of that happened i i didn't like him cuz i was just like I, this dude is just for a guy that for for me a guy that likes music where people kind of hold their dicks a little bit he was holding it a little too much and it didn't see he didn't seem like a dude that had any dirt on him he just seemed like a dude that was really fucking careless and really wild and didn't appreciate shit and i think that that's now proven by the way he's rolling the fuck over on everybody you know what i mean and the rappers i like there's there's some you, there's a there's a humility that comes from understanding that shit can get deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's like as for all the shit that Eminem talks, there's the other side of Eminem where he's like, I know what the fuck it's like to starve. You know what I mean? I know what it's like to get the fucking shit kicked out of me. Like, you know, and I and a guy like
1: Takashi, I mean cuz he keep, you know, he, he's starving me cuz he kept throwing up mom spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know, but like it's like a guy like that doesn't really it's it's about it's all about him. It's not about the art, it's not about the music, it's not about the code, it's not about you know, it's it's like it's honestly it's a lot like what's happened to to the mob. You know, and I'm a fan of mob history and and I like documentaries about the mob and all that shit. And it's always the same thing. Like they by the end of every mob documentary they're like, "Yeah, that guy wrote a book because that's what the fucking mob is now." And it's like, you know, it's like it just You could say what you want. The the, the mob, it was riddled with gangsters and crime and murder and everything else. But there was a code and you followed the code. And if you respected the code, you got ahead. And the guys that didn't got, they were. Yeah. So I I think I'm, I'm, I guess I'm old school enough that crime or not crime. I, I respect the following of the code.
1: No, I get it. There's shit you don't do. And hip hop, hip hop is. Do you think they're following the code now?
2: Well, that's what I mean with a guy like to. I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to just single him out, but a guy it like sounds him, like you're
1: singling him out. Is, is he <laughs> about to rat your ass out right now? Is probably. Like, he's probably talking. Like, yo, when Joe DeRosa once stole a Snickers bar from the Seven Eleven on the corner of Vermont but, and
2: Vermont and Franklin. But you know, like Sean Price is one of my favorite rappers. So he was part of Boot Camp Clip. He, he died, so rest in peace. But but Sean Price is one of my favorite rappers, and he'll. He'll talk raw as shit, and he'll get very flippant. But then he'll also end a verse with like, "I'm Sean Price, the brokest rapper." You know, you know what I mean. And he'll talk about went back to selling crack. You know, when something didn't work. You know, like he just has the struggle in him. And I'm not saying it has to be, I sold crack, struggle, or and you know, or or I lived in poverty, struggle. It's just, but but struggle is important for a music that comes that is born out of rebellion. And born out of commentary and, and having its ear to the, the pulse of, of, a, of a certain uh, neighborhood and a certain experience. That's why country, new country stinks. Yeah, nobody's, there's, there's no depth to it whatsoever. Nobody's respect to Kiefer Sutherland. I love him as an actor. Hardcore country fans are not going, man, mm-hmm. that Kiefer Sutherland. Because it's Kiefer Sutherland. You know what I mean? But you're talking about the old... you talk about Johnny Cash. It's like, even when this dude was rich, he was struggling. Yeah, he was fucking strung out or, on pills yeah. and emaciated and trying to keep his fucking life together and just a mess. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, the classic hip-hop line. It's not where you're from, it's where you're at, you know? It's like, it doesn't matter. It's like just... But as long as you're being res- real and you're presenting yourself in, in a respectful fashion which is why a guy like Eminem gets accepted and a guy like Vanilla Ice doesn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why the Beastie Boys got accepted. They were accepted, you know? Uh, But people had problems with other certain white rappers coming in because they didn't respect the fucking code. You got to respect the code.
1: All right, that brings us into probably my favorite track on the record, Uh, I'm housing. Play the opening. Uh,
0: Play play, play, play. the opening. Is a world
1: I like any song that has a cowbell in it. That yeah. that's that's something I just fucking love. And that cowbell just—it's uh, so faint in the background, but it just got me to vibe. This track, uh, "Rage Against the Machine," covered. Oh
2: yeah, on the Renegades record.
1: I mean, that's that's how you know that it's it's in that vein of like realness because you know Tom Morello and Zach de la Roca aren't going to cover something that they think is fucking. Right, you know, like, not cool. <clears throat> My favorite uh, lyric from this is "Cooling on the scene like a horse in a stable." A brother got ill and tried to snatch a fat cable. Mm-hmm. What I love about the way that they rap is that it's so matter of fact. Like they're just telling you, you mm-hmm. know, there's not so much hyperbole. It's just they're they're just literally. He could be like, "I'm lying awake in bed trying to eat a turkey sandwich on wheat bread." <laughs> it's just,
2: but it's still
1: fucking ill.
2: Yeah, my favorite line is Eric when he goes, uh, "What a way to go out, out like a sucker, but I'm on track like a long island train conductor." Because it just the conductor it locks right with the drum fill. It's just such a good, it's just such a good way to come into the song. Uh, this
1: is a great song. <laughs> yeah. This is a great song. Um, so that brings us to Let the Funk Flow over a sample bed from the JBs. This is just another Bose track, but I think it's pretty dope. The thing that I heard the most from this is I immediately heard Nostradamus by Nas. So, uh, Peter, play a little bit of Let the Funk Flow. All right, now play a little bit of Nostradamus by Nas. I didn't know
2: Nas sampled that, uh, dude. They didn't even try to hide it.
1: Well, I, I <laughs> That's mean, what I'm saying it's like
2: that was. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. EPMD as a rap group is one of the most resampled rap groups out there. So when EPMD came back with Back in Business, which was their reunion record uh the first single off of that record called never seen before they sampled an old public enemy track and their take on it was for once we're going to sample another rap group track because everybody always samples our tracks wow uh and a lot of people have have taken not not uh, out of respect you know what i mean but like you know have taken the epmd beats and reworked them and
1: How do you feel uh, about someone taking a track from 1992 and using it uh, in, like, a current song? Like, the state of sampling in
2: hip-hop? Goddamn, man. I I mean, so many of these new beats are so ass. I wish more rappers would do it. (laughs) I just like beats, man, and I've never had a problem with... I like, like, a beat that gets right in you. Like, I'm not talking about... Uh, I'm not talking about frequencies and, you know, look, I like experimental shit. I like, I like when cool Keith gets weird and I like when Missy Elliott gets weird. And a lot of the down South stuff from the late nineties, early aughts got, got pretty fucking weird with like the noises they were, you know, like all the, uh, um, uh, Manny fresh, like Manny fresh and yeah, you know, i definitely and Manny fresh and you know, I don't dislike weird. I I wish You know I just I don't know I think weed culture Is so prevalent now Everybody's got their own strains Everybody's got their own brand All this shit I think I think A lot of modern hip hop Is based on Being dabbed out You know Just being out to space Yeah it is very druggy like It takes me back to what What my problem Has always been With Pink Floyd And Radiohead I love those bands I respect them Am I listening to them Sober Probably not. Mm. Probably not. I put Pink Floyd records on. I have those. I have a few Pink Floyd vinyls. They they're in my on my shelf for Mushroom Time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm not putting it on just because. It's
1: just I'm gonna fall the fuck asleep. You're not, you not trying to listen to to a 14 minute guitar solo and shine on you
2: crazy. Yeah, guy? Yeah, I mean it's it's when cool, you're doing the dishes. You know it's like it's like you know I think OK Computer is a phenomenal record, but uh, it's it's it, my favorite
1: it, record. One, it, it, it's my
2: top three. It goes on at a very specific time for me. No, I get it. Uh, so it's got a certain mood to it, and I think a lot of rap music now is geared towards getting into that space. And sometimes that can work as its own thing and as an album, but sometimes it's just kind of boring. No, I get
1: it. All right, you got to chill. Uh, I just wrote, this song is fire. Uh, it was wildly popular on both the West Coast and the East Coast, which is basically what you said earlier, thanks to... The sample of Zap's electro funk hit 1980s, More Bounce to the Ounce. And it probably has one of the most iconic quoted opening lines in hip hop. Uh, Peter, play a little bit of it for me.
0: Relax your mind, let your conscience be free, and get down to the sounds of your PMG. But you should keep quiet while the
1: MC rap. But if you're tired, then go take a nap. Who the fuck are they? Eckert Tolle Like that is some Deep fucking present shit Relax your mind Let your conscience be free <laughs> Get down To the sounds Of EPMD uh, I just I just want to believe that they're like super spiritual. They're like, come on, brother, put down your pistol, pick up an amethyst crystal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this the, song, uh you really like making up these little hypothetical little lyrics. Yeah, I like yeah, do dads, yeah. man. Uh, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, they rap a lot about guns too. <laughs> the
1: song is an adamant declaration of EPMD's total dominance. But let's let's break it down to just the title. Uh, you got to chill. Tell me about a time that you overreacted when someone had to say to you,
2: "You got to chill." It's today, it's it's almost daily. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the least chill person on earth. You know, it's like I'm I'm wound tight, dude. So people, uh, but yeah, I was driving today, and a lady almost T-boned my car, and. She, instead of saying sorry, gave me the finger and started screaming at me, and I screamed back, and then she threw a half-eaten peach at my window. (laughs) (laughs) And I tweeted about it on Twitter, and my friend said, calm down. So literally literally today. (laughs) Literally
1: today. Yeah. What's another one that, that seems to be, you know?
2: I just get wound up at little shit winds me up, man. It just winds me up, dude. You know? Like, I couldn't, like... Another thing that happened today was the- co- All today. I could name you five from today. Okay. But that's not what the show's about. <laughs> I just, I can't stand you. When something's not working properly, it just it drives me fucking crazy. The coffee machine at the gas station didn't work today. Decaf worked perfectly. Uh, regular coffee kept spitting out hot water. And I just, it, to me, that's a direct affront from the universe. That's the universe saying fuck you to me because I needed coffee at that, you know, and it's ridiculous. Who cares? Walk two feet. There's probably a Starbucks. There's
1: definitely a Starbucks two feet. But also, wait, so at that moment when you were trying to get the coffee, did like the counter guy go, hey, hey, you gots to chill? <laughs> like, don't Why is worry, you going to have that accent? I, I didn't, I just, Racist. I, didn't, I didn't give him an accent. I just, <laughs> I just said, hey, hey, you got to chill. No,
2: the guy I was, I mutter a lot and I mumble and, you know. People don't always know that I'm furious. Do you have conversations with But they do know, yourself? like, I'm not going to talk to him.
1: Do you have a lot of conversations with yourself while you're walking? Do you, like, play out conversations in your head of, like, somebody, like a big call you got to make?
2: On, no shit. Honestly, I, I had to stop doing that. Wow. You got that bad? It just it, it puts you in the frame to fight, you know? And if you're looking for a fight, you're going to get one. And I just had to stop doing that. I had to stop playing out what I thought somebody was going to say to me. Uh, because nine times out of ten they don't say it, so you know, uh, for my own sanity, that that I stopped doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, that brings us to "It's My Thing." Uh, I like the song. Over a loop of the whole darn family's nineteen seventy six jam, seven minutes of funk. This was the twelve inch single released a year before in nineteen eighty seven that launched EPMD's career. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, at the time, the duo were were known as EP. MD. So A yeah. P E E MD. Yes. Uh, but that was changed to avoid, to avoid confusion with the rising popularity of NWA's EZE.
0: What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week, I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that.
2: Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse
1: and
0: showcase up and coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast.
1: Uh, great song, but for some reason, they throw in this weird video game noise uh, that just ruined it for me. So uh, play the video game noise for me, Peter. <laughs>
2: Where was I? Oh yes. Yeah, say a devant. It's a breakdown. That's yeah. a that's a that's a fucking drop before EDM even existed. That well it's a shit drop, dude. Dude, nobody was doing shit like that, Well, back then.
1: That because, because it was garbage.
2: This beat was sampled by Jay Z also. Yeah. Uh eight no uh, N blank. The the which was the song that premiered Foxy Brown. Um but they sampled this, and when I saw APMD, they opened with this. This is this is classic, dude. All right. You ain't going to get a criticism out of me. Okay.
1: Well, well I'm going to move on to You're a Customer. Yeah, this one. <laughs> this you like this one? Nice,
2: I love it, dude. It's like a dig, I'm smack. Smack me, and I'll smack you back. I love you. <laughs> Featuring samples of ZZ Top's cheap
1: sunglasses, the Steve Miller band's Fly Like an Eagle. Fuck. And in cool the gang's jungle boogie. Jesus Christ. Yeah. This was the flip side of 1987's It's My Thing 12-inch single. Uh Peter, play a little taste. I have the capability to rap and chill, coact attacks MCs. We tend to act ill. It's like a dickham smack. You smack me and I'll smack your back. That is, I mean, that is fucking dope, dude. It's another it's another MC diss track. Uh, and some fans took that PMD verse to be a shot at Eric B. and Rakim's 1987 song i ain't no joke it started a rap feud that could have gotten uglier but epmd squashed any beef before it got there are you a fighter or a peacemaker
2: i'm much more of a peacemaker is this a now thing no but i'm i'm a very reactionary dude and i will get hot but i'm also quick to be like all right i'm sorry i'm being stupid and if i see two other people getting that i know and it's escalating. I'm the I'm I'm usually trying to be like, guys, guys, come on, man. Come on. You know, I'm actually a pretty peaceful dude, but but I just you know, there's something about getting <sighs> Peaches thrown
1: at you that fucking riles you up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
2: disrespect really bothers me. Yeah. I don't like it. It really well, bothers we, me. And people not people not knowing their own boundaries to me is is a respect respected.
1: Well, I, I can even say that I that I know like you're a very advanced uh, human because when when we did the jam and you had called me afterwards just to be like hey I didn't that, I didn't vibe with with that and then I was like I'm glad you did right. instead of like hold on to it and then it would like then it would have put some shit between us which I would have hated because I love you so much right. you know what I mean that's something that not a lot of people do right they hold
2: on to that shit i i mean well thanks but i and i think you're you're an evolved dude as well i mean it's just you know it's just trying to i i had to learn man i mean it didn't i wasn't always like that you know i've gotten into some really nasty i come from a very argumentative family and i love my family dearly but we're very argumentative and it's very combative um and i just come from a very i i grew up with that i grew up with spite uh and i know it well and i also unfortunately learning from my own mistakes and arguments with people i know that i know how to really be hurtful with words and i don't like to do that you know i really don't um i've done it on stage i've done it in person and it doesn't feel good when somebody starts crying or you know or you can see you actually hurt somebody um and, you know, it's just – it's something I really, really try to bite my tongue with now. You know, I got into it pretty nasty with a friend recently, and I was still just like – I was I was starting to fire back kind of hard because he was really hitting me with some low blows. Mm-hmm. But I was – even then I was still like, I know what I could say. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, like, I know what I could say, and I don't want to say it. You know, like it's just – you know, it's just its just not a – it doesn't feel good, dude. No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel good, you know, and it doesn't prove anything. Nobody walks away.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> by, I, I always love it. Dana Gold said it best. He goes, well, if you say fuck you to somebody, nobody's going to go, oh, yeah, you're right. They're going to say fuck you back. Yeah. And it's just going to escalate the situation.
2: Yeah. Yeah, nobody's going to walk away going, He you know, he's right. I should think about this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alright, probably uh this song just with out of all the ones that were on this record, this is the one that I stopped and I was like, This is the title? The Steve Martin. Now, this was an attempt to start a dance craze like Joesky Love's 1986 Pee-Wee Herman tribute song, right. Pee-Wee's Dance. Right. It failed. Uh play the chorus.
2: This. Like this. Like this it's not a bad track the, no, the music, but it's, i like the beat it's just a, the subject matter The
1: subject matter is is pretty thin it's dude. basically
2: saying to dance like steve martin does in the jerk i think
1: yeah so i watched a video on how to do the steve martin and uh let me tell you the dance sucks balls it's not <laughs> it's not nearly as iconic as the peewees or as even like the mashed potato or letting your backbone slip um but this was a this was their attempt at creating a fad um do you have any times in your life where you were a part of a very whack fad that you regret now?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, eighth grade, I had Z Cavaricci's. I do not were, even know what that is. <laughs> they were very high-waisted, uh, billowy pants, like Zubas. No, they were they were to go out in. They were like for the club. Wait, what are they called? I want to look these up. Z Cavaricci. Spell it. You fucking got me, dude. I know it's Z, Z period cam, space C uh, A yeah. Reach. I'm just spelling it phonetically. But they man. were very high waisted pants, and then they billowed out. Oh, I found. And them. then they would taper back in at the shoe, and you wore those with rayon shirts. Oof. And that was that was the shit, man. Eighth, ninth grade. <laughs> they look like karate pants. Yeah, you go to like underage night at the club, and that was that was your shit. Which, that was it. Yeah, you had to, you had to have a pair of Cavaricis on. They were expensive. <laughs> Uh, I mean, for, you know, for, for what they were and who they were, for, they were expensive. You know, they were for, for kids wearing, kid wearing them, it was expensive. They were probably only like 50 bucks. <laughs> Zeke have re- i I've, uh, ne- yeah. I've never heard of these.
1: I've never they heard were of huge. these. I had a, I had a phase, you know, I always like to say my raver phase. That's, that's the one that I was, you know, there are no pictures of me from the rave days. Thank God, because there were no camera phones, um, and I always like to say this joke on stage. It's funny if if there were pictures of me from my rave days, because I would always be with the hottest girl. You've ever seen Raver girls were some of the most beautiful girls because of Mm -hmm. the way they dressed. It was always very, very sexy. It was like they'd have like on like like a crop top with their belly exposed and like, you know, like little like pants made out of Muppets that are hanging low and then like angel wings and a pacifier and then stickers all over them. But the problem was I was dressed exactly like her, so uh, I am so happy. you were a raver,
2: raver, lesbian. I
1: was a raver <laughs> lesbian. All right, uh, get off the bandwagon. Uh, here's one last whack MC diss track on the record. Uh, this might be probably my favorite beat. Yeah, this on beat on this record because. Uh, yeah. So here, Peter, play when the beat kicks
2: in. <laughs> Hey, yo, yo 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 yo. I be the P twice and twice twice I be the E. double E in the place
0: and the place that you want to be man we in him dude this
2: is some
1: this is some 9 inch nail
2: shit yeah
1: like that's what i heard i i heard like fucking something darker than anything that had been on the record previous
2: well when they came out they were on sleeping bag records and sleeping bag i think did do Nine Inch Nails? Did, I don't think they did Nine Inch Nails, but no, TVT or whatever was, right? TNT, whatever. But Sleeping Bag did do a lot of, like, like electronic dance kind of stuff. So I'm wondering if – I don't know who produced that track, but I'm wondering if, you know, they kind of stumbled upon, you know, a synth sound at, a, at the Sleeping Bag studio that, like, you know, some, like, house – DJ from England was fucking using.
1: I mean, I, you know I, I, mean? I, I'm, I'm hearing something. That nothing on this sounds like it's from the previous songs. Right. So yeah, I mean, this is no, it's this is produced by Eric and Parrish. Um, I, I don't. It doesn't say anything like there was influenced by anything, but that's why I think it was probably one of my favorite songs on the record because it just felt so different yet still in the vein of EPMD with the rap styles. All right. But speaking of bandwagons, some listeners might not know that you started off in a comedic music act. Tell me about yeah, your I've, musical upbringing. Uh, my upbringing? Well, just, you know, like your musical history. If I, I was in Shekels, then I was in LED. I did,
2: well, which act are you referring to? I don't know. I had a couple. I mean, I was in uh, my friend Jim Pinkstone and I had a rap a sex rap group called Deep. Um, uh, That was a it was it was comedic. And it was just like, make it was it was a parody of sex rap. It was just making fun of, so just like how ooh, graphic girl, sex. Da- okay. it, was, no, it was nasty. I mean, because oh, okay. if you're gonna make fun of it, you got to really exaggerate it. Yeah, and sex rap. We were st- our starting point was two live crew, Oof. so you're you know you're going you're going pretty far to the left of the
1: girl. I see things <laughs> between you and me. No, deep. Dig like a colonoscopy. <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> no, that was good. Uh, uh, but Who uh, rhymes
1: colonoscopy? With-
2: but it was it was it was it was very dirty. Uh, but then we would we 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 actually did a, a run of shows, and we kind of saw that the fans were laughing for the wrong reasons, and we were like, we can't do this, man. People don't get that this is this is supposed to be a commentary, and it's supposed to be funny. Yeah, but it's supposed to be funny commentary for the right reason you know and we're just like this is bad so we stopped doing that Uh, but then I had another group called Salsa Windfall that was me and my friend Paul Chell and uh, we we put a record out and uh, I don't know if I would say it was comedy music but it was definitely along the lines of like ween that kind of stuff you know the weirder they might be giant stuff Um, and that was fun and we actually have a record a new record new meaning five years old on the shelf that we just still haven't put out that I'm actually very proud of and I just don't know what to do with it. You know, you do comedy, I'm I'm working on putting these comedy records out and touring and then you try to drop a fucking music thing in the middle of it and nobody cares. People are like, What? What is you know what I mean? Like I'm looking at Johnny Depp, I'm like, if he can't get people to care about his band <laughs> then how the fuck is Joe De rosa <laughs> gonna get
1: <laughs> Yeah. Like, people are gonna be like, This sounds like five years ago. <laughs> yeah. what the fuck?
2: Billy Bob Thornton is playing, like, state fairs. I'm like, if he's struggling, I'm not going to try to, you know, fuck it.
1: Did you always... Was it a hard choice to choose between comedy and music?
2: I mean, I I was gung-ho on music. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to rap. Uh, I was in hardcore bands. I was in all kinds of musical acts, but my my main thing was I wanted to rap. I really did. I produced beats, and uh, and I was pretty good at rapping, Uh, but... I just couldn't catch it was just too against the grain when you do something and it's just so against the grain after a while you start to go well I don't know and then I stumbled into comedy and it started immediately moving in the right direction and I was just like I think I'm supposed to be doing this and I also had gotten tired of trying to collaborate with people I just got sick of it and back then you couldn't Make a record On a laptop how, well, what was It your, was expensive what You was, had to buy programs And they were fucking expensive What was
1: your pitch like To try to get somebody To do uh, a guest spot <laughs> You're like Hey Frank How you doing buddy uh, For what to, Hey How do you feel uh, Coming over to my house Spitting a rhyme
2: <laughs> I didn't know any, well that's the thing, I didn't really know any rap I knew I knew two dudes that rapped And one of them I was in the group with Yeah, so that's impossible Yeah, so I mean you never met, I never met a lot of rappers And there weren't a lot of venues where I grew up And where I was living after college to do rap There was, there were, actually when I moved down to Austin There were a lot of outlets for it But everybody I was meeting was pissing me off Because everybody was on that white boy uh, hippie fucking hip-hop bullshit and I just I wasn't feeling it what is that I don't it was just it was kind of what we were talking about earlier their their main focus was was pot culture yeah and their skateboard and and uh you know what tape what tape should they have bought at the hip-hop spot that week and what 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 should they be listening to and I just I didn't jive with them I didn't like it it wasn't it wasn't my speed and uh, and I actually did do a couple records with this guy down there. His name was um Cusser, DJ Cusser. He wasn't he wasn't a white dude. I'm not clumping him in with the white guy stuff. But uh we did some stuff together and then he took the tracks and like flipped them all around and fucked everything up and and I called him and I go, "Bro, what are you doing with this, dude? You it's the rhymes are all off beat and shit. Like it's it's what are you doing?" And he was real like mind to fucking do with what I want and he was a real asshole about it. So we stopped talking. And right around that time I was I, I joined a, my last band that I was ever in and like that I was trying, you know, because they talked me into trying out and the whole experience was just fucking I, I got in to the band and then the whole f- after it was an awful fucking experience. And as that was all happening, I'm sitting there doing open mics in Philly as a comic and people are coming up to me who are doing comedy professionally saying you're really funny man and it just started to become obvious <laughs> which that you're way a I was better comic <laughs> which way I was supposed to yeah, go yeah, you yeah. Know?
1: all right that takes us to DJ K La Boss. so this is a DJ only track with cutting and scratching on songs like LTD uh, Michael Jackson and more it was obviously influenced by Run DMC giving Jam Master J his own track track on an album And this was just, uh, for me, uh, too long. It was like four minutes long. This should have been like two minutes, and it should have been a fire two minutes, and they should have called it a day.
2: You got to understand, this is still a time when, I mean, when hip-hop first started, the the DJ was the star, so we're still still in that period a little bit. No, I understand, but it's still a four-minute track. You know, Ice-T did it for Evil-E. Like, it's like, you know... Uh Terminator X speaks with his hands on on, on Nation of Millions. Funny, like, funny, you, know, you gave you gave the DJ a track.
1: For sure. But funny thing, after this record, Kay LaBosse was successfully replaced by DJ Scratch. Have you ever been fired from a job that you loved?
2: That I loved? No. No. Every time I've been fired, it's because I don't want to fucking be there anymore. <laughs> give me give me a good one. Give me a good fire. Uh I was I was uh, when I first moved to New York f- to do comedy I still had the last real job I ever had was I st- I was uh, I worked at a porn distribution warehouse so I would work from a de- I had a desk in a basement of this warehouse that housed porn and they had it in in bulk and uh, I would sit at this desk I was allowed to smoke at my desk I had a boom box at my desk And I just had to sit there and call porn shops and say, Do you need four more copies of, you know, come guzzly, whatever the fucking name (laughs) is? Drain my ball 17. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was it. It was just like, it was literally cold calling porn sales. Hi, this is Paul Phelps.
1: And uh, it's kind of fun, though, because you can have fun with the titles. You can make them up or, you know. What
2: I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, honestly, it wasn't that bad of a gig, but I just didn't give a fuck about it. Yeah. And uh, and I honestly think this was uh, a subliminal thing. I was do I was doing comedy at the time. And um, I remember the last day I was at work, did the, these. God, the guys that own the place, they were like, hey, man, we see on your resume, uh, you work in uh you know how to do the editing and camera and all that. Why is a guy got to have that voice? Because uh, he did. Okay. Because well, he did. Uh, well. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, because we want to get in here to actually producing the movies. And like, maybe you could, you could help us. We, we should talk. And I was like, and I remember in that moment being like, yeah, I, I guess so. Like, that's, it's easy money. And then I went... I, this is no no bullshit. I went home that night. I did a set at the Boston. I was out super fucking late with Oakerson. Um, next day, I was too tired to get up and go in. You know, because it had been like two weeks of that, and I couldn't do it. I could. I just didn't want to. And I called out sick. And then that... <laughs> That night, Jay was like, you should probably call out sick another day just so it looks real. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's good logic. (laughs) So I called out sick a second day. And then I went in on that. And then I went in on Friday and they fired me as soon as I got in. And they're like, you can't call out sick two days in your first two weeks. And I was like, why don't you just fire me when I was at home? Why'd you make me come all the way in? They're like, we thought that was disrespectful. I was like, no, it's disrespectful. Maybe I'm all the way to fuck in here right now. I could have just been home. So I didn't give a fuck I was so happy I left I didn't care at all And I think that That was my subconscious brain Being like Don't go down the wrong road Right now You're moving in the right direction Keep Yeah stay the course Get don't, out of, Don't start
1: producing Yeah films yeah with, Get uh, out of
2: this place <laughs> Get out of this place And I did And that Night I, That night that I got fired, I was sitting with Jay on our balcony in Queens and we were smoking cigarettes. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I need money. And he goes, you're a comic. Just be a comic. And I never had a job again. Somehow, magically, I never had a job again. I can't explain it. But just <laughs> at the moment, I was going to be broke. Yeah. Ass That's out. Great. Bobby Kelly or somebody would call me or Keith it's stupid. Like, you want to open for me at a college pays 300 you know and it would just save my it's ass. always
1: like that it's always like that when you for i feel like for the real motherfuckers man it's like i always feel like there there were those moments where i was just it was like i don't know what i'm gonna do and then something would come up yeah. because you're you're a good person and you're funny and people want to work with you and so the universe knows well thanks buddy The universe also knows that Jane is the last song on the record. Now, this song begins the longest-running saga in hip-hop. Yeah. The group has a song on every album that continues, however disjointedly, this story about Jane. On the first one, it's about Parrish getting hooked up with Jane and then getting right down to business. When it's over, she leaves him a note saying the next time he needs to be... Better, bigger, stronger, and much faster. Wow! Thanks, Jane.
2: Yeah, and then Jane too. She comes back, and he doesn't recognize her. And uh, I think it's oh, does E find her in the second one? I forget. I think Jane is on my sofa. Is the lyric. because I mean, because they're and they're like, get out! Get the fuck out of here! It's Jane again. Then the third one, a dude moves into their neighborhood named Jay. And starts hanging around with them, and they think he's the shit. Then they realize it's Jane in disguise, <laughs> <laughs> and then PMD fucks her. And then uh who killed Jane is she gets killed. Oh. on the fourth record. Poor and then, Jane. And then on then the she comes f- back to life. And fifth record, she's I guess she wasn't dead. They're leaving the station. They realize she's not dead. He, uh, yeah, they keep doing Jane's. I don't remember what the other two are. <laughs> That's great. Something along these lines. I love that
1: you filled it in. Yeah. Uh, do you have any on again, off again relationships? And you don't have to see, give names, uh, but just somebody that you just can't quit?
2: No. No. Like, like, broke back mountain? Like, uh, like in love? <laughs> like, I just can't quit? No. No. It doesn't have to be love, but it can be lust. No. I mean, no. It's, I mean, you know, do you, no. I mean, I look, sometimes me and an old flame will, will link up randomly from out of nowhere, but I mean, it's not like I wouldn't say I have a. You know, I'm a loose, I'm a loose goose. You know, uh, I'm a free bird. You know what I mean? All
1: right, let's do some facts. Uh, ready for facts? Oh yeah, give me some facts. Oh yeah, facts and facts and facts. The facts. Uh, the group was signed to their first record label by A man and label mate Curtis Mantronic of the <laughs> Electro Funk. Pioneer that is he was he and
2: Mantronics,
1: yeah, from Mantronics. Whose name is Curtis Mantronic? It's was
2: funny. that his real name or was that did they just I, I, do like a Ramones thing? I, I, I'm
1: just, who's who is this? Oh, it's uh Billy McAndroid, <laughs> come meet him, Derek the Robot, and yeah. <laughs> Laura Artificial Intelligence, team.
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, I don't know why I find that funny Because he's a fucking Decepticon That's It's a, why. It's a crazy last name Curtis Mantronic eh, 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 eh. I'm Curtis Mantronic Yes I am Peter uh, play uh, Minute 308 of the Mantronic's 1985 song Needle to the Groove Who was the first established comedian to help you out?
2: Uh, well, Okerson. I mean, well, no, to, to Ray Gordon and, and the legendary WID were the two guys in Philly that that gave me the push I needed to start making a little cash in Philly and have the confidence to move up to New York when Okerson said move up to New York. So I got, I got to give it to those two because they, they were... Uh, They were professional. Yeah, I mean, Witt had been at it forever. But, like, Toure definitely at that point was making his living as a headlining comic. And and he was the guy. And he still is the guy in Philly. So, it's like, those were the guys. They were the two that gave me this, the leg up, you know?
1: Yeah, I feel like that's the most important part. Uh, almost getting that, not just that seal of approval, or but I always like to call it, like, an apprenticeship. Right. You know, where the bigger comic is like, they see something in you, they see that you might be a little lost and you need some direction, and then they're like, all right, let's steer this guy in the right thing. That's what I feel like we need, because to be a blacksmith, you have to study under another blacksmith. Mm-hmm. You can't just start whittling fucking swords and be like, yeah, oh, yeah. This, is, this is, It's I mean, it's in a circle, but it's a sword. Yeah, I mean,
2: I mean, most of what I learned, most of what I know I learned from being on the road with Burr when I was younger. Uh, you know, so that was that was basically an apprenticeship, you know, but yeah, there's been a countless number of guys that have schooled me in different ways and helped me out. And, you know, it's a it's a I'm lucky to have a long list.
1: Yeah, I, I completely you agree. Know? All right. Uh, all of their eight albums feature the word business in the title. Um, tell our listeners one word that describes you and why. I don't know why I said verb.
2: uh uh uh, honestly personal which is bad for business (laughs) but i'm a personal dude man like i like to actually the people in my circle i want to know who they are i want to know about them you know and i want to know that i can really relate to them on a fundamental level and when i can't it's hard for me to stay close with them you know uh but also I've gotten in my older age much better at having extreme differences with somebody and be able to put it aside in the in the interest of just just not even friendship necessarily, but just just keeping the peace and and and, and grace. So, you know, a per- personal is a big word for me. You know, it's like it's like I'm really hurt when somebody that I trust and love does something fucked up to me. You know, it's not easy for me to be like, "Well, fuck that dude." Then, uh, I, I, it, 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 really hits me like in my core on on a lot of different levels. You know, and I come from a really tight family, and you know, it's very East Coast shit. It's one of the reasons I don't like Hollywood. You know, because it's so impersonal out here. It's fa- it's phony. It's I mean, I'm I'm not saying that as an L.A. shot, like it's so fake. I don't mean it like that. I just mean like. The the nature of the business in Hollywood has to be superficial. You can't afford to invest too much in somebody because that person's going to be gone or you're going to get you can't let the feelings you have about a human being interfere with the feelings you have about their work or the project or. You know, and at the end of the day, they need to make money, so that's why they keep their friends out of project, whatever the fuck it is. It's it's like, but that's the thing that's never really rubbed me the right way. Whereas when I go back to New York, the Hollywood aspect of the job is still very much that. But the one nice change uh, 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 for me there is I can go to several comedy clubs where the comics and the booker and the manager and the waitstaff and me were all in it together it's there's a, there's a loyalty there that supersedes how good was your last set or did you sell this many tickets for us tonight and that's important to me you know uh when it comes to you know your art form you know, I know a lot of people don't think stand-up is art I do um and I think in your art form you need to have a little bit of that which is why I think you know again to bring it all to a full circle close my favorite rappers are my favorite rappers because they respect that aspect about certain rappers. And they don't like other rappers that don't have that. Like they don't like rappers that are strictly about, you know, EPMD touts the business thing a lot and they definitely stand by it. But you can tell from their lyrics and, and, and from their personalities and interviews and what they say and their philosophies, they put a lot of stake in the personal. And that's why you make a song like Crossover, to say, like, I respect these rappers. I don't respect those rappers. Because if they they didn't have that soul in them, if they didn't have that emotional uh, weight in them, they would say, hey, God bless you for trying to make a Crossover track and make money. Good for you. You're just trying to make money. Who cares? And that's not who they are, you know, at least in my opinion. Um, And none of my favorite rappers are. They all there's something more to it because it's an art form to them and they respect it.
1: Yeah. Final thoughts on this record.
2: Uh, I mean, it's just I mean, look, we've said everything we could say uh, that's any deeper than what I'm about to say. But just on a basic music fan level, it's a fucking classic. Just get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a classic. It should. There's a reason it's on this list. It's yeah. It's a classic record, man these dudes are in my opinion the greatest to ever do it they're the truest they're they're hip-hop personified so if you like rap in any way or have an interest in rap as a whole and not just contemporary sense it would just be dumb to not get this record <laughs> i'm jealous of you that you get to hear it for the first time i know it was great you know? it was great
1: uh joe i love you so much thanks buddy so so much man thank you for doing I love this. you too wasn't lying. I told you he knows way more about this record than 99% of our guests, and that's why he's the shit. For all things Joe DeRosa, go to his website, joedeRosaInfo.com, and you can find him on all social media at Joe DeRosa Comedy. Don't forget, listen to his two podcasts. We'll see you in hell and uninformed with Bill Burr. He is a man, he's a myth, he's the teen sensation, guys. I'll be posting Joe's Spotify mixtape, and you can find that on our website at the500podcast.com. If you want to email us, you got thoughts, you, you like what we're doing, you hate what we're doing, email us, tell us, 500podcasts at gmail.com, and follow me on all social media at Josh Adam Myers. Please subscribe to The 500 on Spotify or your favorite platform anywhere you listen to podcasts, and if you're listening on Apple, leave a review. Rate us. Do all the kashlukies. Now, we just listened to EPMD from 1987. Here, for our new music this week, Matt Pinfield, our music director, selected Skizzy Mars. Skizzy is a rapper, songwriter, producer from Harlem, New York, who has built a strong following on Spotify. He came up with his friends Jay-Z and Logic, who became big hip-hop stars. He always cites EPMD and Biggie as the artists who got him addicted to hip-hop. Listen to his new single, Gift and a Curse, Featuring Young Pinch on Spotify. I don't know why that made me laugh. Just saying Young Pinch. Because I had no idea this was coming up. And I saw that his name was Young Pinch. That's dope. I mean, I'm not shitting on it. It just made me giggle. Check out the link on our website. The500podcast.com And if you guys are in a band. And you want your music played on the 500. Because you were so influenced by the album or artist we're breaking down. That's on the list. Send us your music guys. I want it. I want to play it on this. Send us your music to 500 podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and the artist that influenced you in the subject line. Kaduki. Next week is John Prine Week with his 1971 self-titled album. So y'all got some homework to do. Listen to the album on Spotify. Stay fleecy.